Good to be with you this morning. If you would, open your Bibles to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2 is where we'll begin our lesson this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, starting there in verse 1. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And you who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What I want to talk about this morning and what we'll be focusing on for the next two hours are good works. Um, what are they? Uh, why would we do good works? Uh, who are we doing them for? Uh, and then how should we do good works? And um, this idea of good works is, you know, if you just look at it, for what it is, you can't uh, get on the concordance and say good works and then it give you a list of what good works are. That's not how the Bible uh, is, is written in that way. Uh, but I'd like for us to develop that idea of what are good works. And, um, you know, like I say, why do we do them, how we do them, and those things. But what I'd like to, to go from here is, you know, if you look there in Ephesians 2 and verse 10, um, He's telling us there that we are His workmanship, that'd be God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. So we're created in Christ Jesus. So a Christian created through Christ is created for what? For for good works. I'd like to turn to Genesis 2, passage we're very familiar with. Uh, but just to read it and kind of think about uh, the context of good works, the rest of the time will be in our New Testaments, but I'd like to read Genesis 2 and verse 15. This is, um, you know, dealing with creation here. Uh, he's created man at this point. It says there in verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. So we see there that, that man, even from the very beginning, had work to do. You know, there was something for him to be doing. God meant for us to be busy people. Uh, he didn't mean, mean for us to be lazy, be idle. He meant for us to be busy. And most importantly, I think He meant for us to be busy doing good, to do these good works. Um, and I'm not going to spend any amount of time in particular talking about one particular good work or good deed. Uh, I think Matt might be going to go in more depth in that way. I don't know exactly what he has in mind for uh, the next hour, but... Uh, we'll be kind of doing an overview. But I'd like to start out by looking at what are good deeds. If you look at Acts chapter 9, 
starting there in verse 36. Acts chapter 9 there in verse 36. We get this story of um, this disciple named Tabitha or Dorcas. Uh, Either way, same person. Start there in verse 36. At Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. And one thing, and we'll talk about this in just a second, focus back in on it, but one thing I did notice in, in putting this study together is benevolent acts are very much tied with good works. You know, a benevolent act in some way. Here is charitable deeds uh, that, you know, going hand in hand there. But it says this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter rose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. And one thing that stands out to me in this passage, it says, and all the widows stood by him. Um, So it kind of gives you an idea of who she was helping. Uh, At least that stands out to me as someone that we would at least think of as someone um, not as able to help themselves. Uh, You think about, um, you know, in particular um, widows, which you would think would be uh, older women, but not necessarily, but widows, uh, children, uh, women in general, not so much able to help themselves. This is who was standing there and what had she done for them. She'd made them tunics and garments. Uh, that was her good works, or at least part of her good works or charitable deeds. Um, and I want to expand on this idea. We'll come back and, and think about that in a minute, but just keep that in your mind. Start in Matthew 25. Like I say, good works isn't just a, a list in the Bible, so you kind of uh, got to piece some things together, and hopefully I'm piecing the right things together. But look in Matthew 25, starting in verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the King will say to those on, the right, on His right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you, from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and then you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger, and take you in, or naked, and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick, or in prison, and come to you? And the king will say to them, Surely I say to you, as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then he talks about the goats, the ones that, that didn't do these things. Um, and flip over to one more passage, and then we'll uh, talk about maybe what exactly this is. James 1 and verse 27. James tells us there that, that uh, in chapter 1 and verse 27, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. And I think what we see from these passages is that good works is just simply doing good for others. Doing something uh, that you know maybe that person couldn't do for themselves or didn't have time to do for themselves or just needed somebody. You see there in Matthew 25 about 
just being sick and coming and visiting, being in prison and coming and visiting, um, giving somebody some clothes, um, giving somebody something to drink, somebody something to eat. You know, that that's related here about, uh, it doesn't necessarily say these are the, the good works, but I think just simply put, if you combine these things together, it's just doing good for other people. That's what I think the Bible tells us what good deeds are, good works are, doing good for others. You know, we all know people that uh, are, are just busy people about doing good for others. Uh, first person that pops in mind is our neighbor, a uh, lady by the name of Beth Swedenberg. That lady is always doing something for somebody else. Every time you talk to her, she's going to uh, take so-and-so a cup of soup or take so-and-so to the doctor or uh, going and putting some flowers at somebody's graveside. And she's always doing something for someone else. And, you know, and I, I kind of look at my own life, and I'm, I'm not as busy as she is doing, doing those kind of things for other people. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's not... Um, when I think about who she's doing it for, it's kind of like Dorcas here. It's, it's the widows. It's, it's folks that are that can't do for themselves. And you know, if you think about what James has says, the orphans as well. He throws those people in there as, as people uh, that are that are helpless within themselves. And then I I also think about what what prevents what would prevent us or me from being as active as this lady I've just mentioned, Miss Bess. Um, I think. A lot of it, not all of it. Some of it's you're busy with uh, good things. Uh, you know, you think about Matt. He's got three youngins to look after. You know, he Miss Best doesn't have three youngins at home, so she has more time uh, to spend doing those things. But So there are some obligations there that maybe we just, by the nature of where we are in a stage of our life, we don't have that much time. But I think some of it is just being more busy with, with me than I should be busy with other people. Uh, and you, you, you think about it. Jesus as a good example of someone who was uh, not necessarily worried about him eating or him getting rest. He was more worried about others and their well-being. And I think Paul's a good example as well. Um, you know, and what that really boils down to is selfishness on my part of being more worried about me than I am about other people. Uh, and so, you know, I think that's something that can hinder us from doing what the Bible defines uh, as these good deeds. And like I mentioned earlier, just out of Ephesians 2, is uh, one thing if you're looking at good works and, and what's being stated in, throughout the Bible, you'll see that um, some form of a benevolent act is very closely related. And you can probably pull a, a benevolent act near about out of all these passages, but some state them more explicitly. And that's something I wanted to just kind of look at for a second. <laughs> We'll flip over to Titus. In Titus, uh, there'll be a lot of passages come out of Titus. It's a three-chapter uh, uh, book, and I, if I've got it calculated right, there's four times uh, that good works, those two words together, are mentioned uh, just in these three chapters. But Titus 3 and verse 14 says, And let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, which would be something that someone else needs, you know, a benevolent type of act that they may not be unfruitful. Uh, so here, you know, Paul's telling Titus to urge other folks uh, to maintain those good works and to meet those urgent needs. And if you um, flip over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Ephesians chapter 4, and verse 28. 
Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who has need. And I know that that verse doesn't explicitly say good works, but if we're going to be able to do these good works, what do we have to do? We have to be ready to do those good works. So if we've spent all of our time uh, that we've just talked about that is a limiting factor here of us maybe doing uh, more good works, um, what else is another limiting factor? That would be money. Well, if we're taking all the money that we're gathering, that the Lord's given us the ability to, to work and do and, and be able to gain that, that money, and we're spending it all on ourselves, well, when that urgent need comes up, we're not going to be ready to fill it. And so uh, we have to be prepared uh, to do these good works. You know, we have to, uh, that has to be something on our mind. So um, let's keep that in mind as we're, we're thinking about this. Uh, and one thing, if you go back to Titus 3 and verse 14, he talks about, he reads there, and let our people also learn to maintain good works to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. Uh, and this idea of being unfruitful, um, I think, relates closely back with good works. If you think about the fruit that one bears, uh, that's mentioned a lot. Uh, we're going to kind of focus on that uh, for a minute. If you flip over to Matthew 7, and in verse 16, Matthew 7 verse 16. Let's start there in verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown in the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, uh, you will know them. And if you flip over to Matthew 5, starting in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your lights shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And so here you, know, you get this idea of being uh, of a fruit of a fruit tree as he talks about in Matthew 7. And then in Matthew 5, you know, talking about that light uh, that shines. And, and you know, they're going to people see who you are and if you're good or bad by the things that you do. In 1 Timothy chapter 5. Starting in verse 24 and 25. Matthew 5, 24 and 25. So men's sins are clearly evident, preceding them to judgment, but those of some men will fall later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident, and those that are otherwise cannot be hidden. So, you know, here Paul's talking about our good works and us being able to, to see who someone is, if they are good or bad, uh, by their works. And not only, and I think. You know, in the context of all this, and I think we can also look within ourselves and know, you know, is is what I'm doing leading to good things? And I think obviously it's easier sometimes for someone else to be able to gauge you in that way. Uh, but I do think we can look inwardly at our own works and see, uh, are we doing uh, those good things? Are we being fruitful uh, in that way? Flip over to John chapter 10. 
uh, in talking about works and, and looking at works uh, of ourselves and others. Jesus uh, tells <clears throat> these folks here, the Jews here, to look at to look at his works to know if he is from the Father. So he's you know basically telling these people to examine him. John chapter ten and verse thirty one. And the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you being a man, make yourself God. Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said, you are gods? If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming, because I said I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped, escaped out of their hand. Here, you know, Jesus is telling these Jews here to examine him. Look at his works. And tell me, are they good or bad? And of course, there's no, there's no disputing, are they good or bad? You know, specifically there in verse 37, 38, if I do not, if I do, if I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe the works. So, you know, that's a, that's a, I guess a verification that Jesus was good. Is he's saying here because of the works that I've done? And so, you know, I think we, we can look uh, at, at anyone and see. If they're doing good works and who they are, are they bearing good fruit or bad fruit? And I think, you know, if we can do that, remember that others can do that to us. You know, someone else is, people are watching us all the time. And they're able to see, see that uh, and read that of us. And are we being the lights that we should be to those around us by our good works? Um, one of the questions I want us to answer was, uh, why are we doing these good deeds? You know, why? Why would we participate in them? Uh, you know, we we already know that they're they're a command, but past that, uh, why would we uh, do that? Titus chapter three. Titus chapter three and verse eight says, Paul says here, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. Um, so Paul's telling uh, Titus here to affirm these things constantly. And what's he saying to affirm? Uh, that those, those that have believed in God, so the Christians, should be careful to maintain good works. And why? Because they're good and profitable for men. Um, so that's one aspect of it. it. It's just, it's good for us. It, it's a benefit for us to be busy about doing these things for others. Uh, not only the benefit that others would gain from us doing a good deed, but it's more for us than it is for them uh, to do those things. In Matthew 5, we've, we've read this already, but I want us to think about Matthew 5 and in verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So this is really twofold. It's for our good and it's for what else? So that others can glorify God. It's not uh, for us to... Uh, to boost ourselves, if you look at Matthew 6 and verse 1 and 2, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. 
Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. And surely I say to you, they have their reward. And what is their reward? Their reward is from men. They don't have that reward from God. Uh, but we are to be doing these good deeds not to boost ourselves, although we know it's good for us, but to glorify God. Peter also uh, says the same in 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 11. 1 Peter 2 and in verse 11. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So, um, you know, it's like we stated earlier, people see what you're doing. They, they're going to know to some degree. Obviously, we're not supposed to let our uh, left hand know what our right hand is doing, so it's not that we're out there parading it, uh, but we're trying to get the glory, give the glory to God. But people are going to see it, and what do we want them to do? That they, that being uh, folks on the outsides, by your good works which they observe, glorify God. Uh, so our good works are also so others will glorify God. So, you know, there, there's our why, why we should be doing these things. If you will, flip back over to Titus. Um, like I said, Titus has this phrase, good works, in it several times. I want us to read uh, the bulk of chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Let's start there in verse 6. I tell you what, we're going to read the whole chapter. Let's start down verse 1. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and corruptibility. Before we go any further, you see there in verse 7, in all things he's telling Titus, in particularly, uh, to show himself to be a pattern of good works. So he's supposed to uh, be an example to those around him uh, through what? By doing those good works uh, is how he's supposed to be a good example. At least one way he's supposed to be a good example. Pick back up there in verse 8. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Exhort bondservants to be obedient to their own masters, to be well-pleasing in all things, not answering back, not pilfering, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. So what's he said there in verse 14? He says that we're supposed to be zealous for good works. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about this during Stephen's lesson this morning. You know, if we're supposed to be zealous for good works... That means we need to be looking for opportunity, just like we were talking about in the, in the 9 o'clock class, looking for opportunity to spread the gospel. Uh, but not only spreading the gospel, but doing these good works that we've been talking about, these you know charitable deeds, these benevolent acts, uh, anything 
that we can do uh, for someone else. We need to be zealous for that. That needs to be something that we're uh, we're striving to do. That we're uh, you know going back to Ephesians four twenty eight, being ready to do. Uh, that needs to be it needs to be on our mind. That needs to be something that we're focusing on. Um, because what has he done? He says in verse fourteen, he gave himself for us that he might redeem us. Uh, and purify for himself his own special people. So this his special people are supposed to do what? They're supposed to be zealous uh, for these good works. So we got one more verse, but just kind of to, to recap on what we've talked about. So we, we started out basically asking, what are good deeds? Why would we do them? Who are we doing them for? And how do we do them? Um, and, you know, if you kind of couple all these all these verses we've read, the what would be charitable deeds, um, making stuff for others like, like Dorcas was doing in Acts 9, uh, meeting urgent needs. And the why would be because we're created for it. Uh, we don't want to be unfruitful. And they're good and profitable for us. Uh, and then who are we doing them for? We're doing them for others so that they can glorify God. And we're also doing them just to glorify God as we, we saw there in Matthew. And then how? Uh, I'm trying to... Yeah, so there in verse... Uh, your, your Bible's probably open there. Uh, something we didn't really focus on much, but Titus 3 and verse 8 uh, says that you should be careful to maintain good works. So I think the how there is we should be careful uh, in that. But also there in verse 14, we should be zealous uh, for these good works. Last passage I want to look at, and uh, the lesson will be yours, but Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Start there, pick up there in verse, uh, start there in verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of song, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. And in this passage, specifically there in verse 24, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So the Hebrew writer here is you know, urging us to to even amongst ourselves, we're supposed to stir one another up in these good works. Encourage one another. I think we, is a word we could put in there for stir up. Encourage one another to be busy about good works. Uh, you know, not only just to ourselves, but to those that are out in the community. Uh, encourage each other to do those things. So that that's the last passage I want to read this morning. You know, in conclusion, I I think it's you know just simple you know is the question is have you been busy uh doing good works uh for others is your life full of helping other people or is it focusing on you and if you hadn't been busy helping other people just change you know commit yourself to to doing these things uh commit yourself to uh, caring for others to for doing these good works that we've that we've talked about uh, as we, you know, go about this next year, you know, it's a good time to be thinking about these kind of things, like Stephen said, in the, the nine o'clock. Uh, but if there's any way that we could encourage you or assist you, we ask that you come forward as we stand and sing.